The FDA has issued an extensive recall on several heparin products which appear to have been contaminated. What are the explicit signs investigators look for in detecting a contaminant in heparin? And how can the medical professionals counsel patients who are hearing about heparin contamination? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at Chicago Medical School, and our guest today is Dr. Javed Farid, Professor of Pathology and Pharmacology at Loyola University Chicago Stritch School of Medicine. Dr. Farid has been studying batches of heparin since the drug contamination issue arose. Welcome, Dr. Farid. Thank you very much for inviting me. Today we are discussing Dr. Farid's investigations into heparin contamination. Dr. Farid, can you give us a brief overview what happened at your institution and how were you personally involved? At our institution, we have used heparin for so many years without any incident. And we are grateful that we have this blood thinner at our disposal to treat so many patients and use it in surgical and procedures and interventional procedures. We have a research program on heparin and low molecular weight heparin, which we have directed for almost 30 years at Loyola. And this is to assure that the type of heparins, the pharmacology of heparin and heparin properties are properly understood. So we have an ongoing clinical program, basic research program, and international collaborative protocol program with World Health Organization and other organizations. So this is a drug of great interest to us. When we first found out that the adverse reaction were reported with the use of heparin, we became concerned and we wanted to know what actually was going on because heparin has been a relatively safe drug with the exception of bleeding and heparin-induced homocytopenia, which are two commonly known side effects which we can handle with. But when the anaphylaxis and some other type of adverse reaction were reported, we got concerned and we contacted our dialysis unit, our cardiovascular unit, and asked them if they have seen any problems, and they said no, but they did say that the heparin was recalled. But they did at that time have some of the heparins which were recalled and were provided to us. So since we have at hand all the techniques to know the structure of heparin, to understand its biological properties, we put to task some of these techniques to analyze the heparins. And then we have international and national collaboration with scientists and clinicians who became interested also knowing what is going on and how we can help resolve this issue. So because of this interest, we became quite heavily involved in the overall investigation. Now, there were no specific cases at your institution. What about neighboring institutions in the Chicago area where you are? I think that there have been some isolated reports from neighboring institutions, University of Chicago and hospitals, but to give you a specific as to really that they were linked to the use of heparin, I'm not privy to that information. It's the HEPA Act, so I don't know. Well, how can you determine if a patient is having a reaction to a contaminant in heparin or they're just having some sort of allergic manifestation? 
to another medication or another interventional process? You know, the cardiovascular surgeons use heparin every day. The interventional cardiologists doing stenting and open heart interventions every day. So they know how to use heparin. And if suddenly the blood pressure drops or somebody's heart starts beating fast or somebody goes into rash or allergic reaction, these are unusual reactions and they can be easily detected. So until the late part of the last year, nobody has observed these reactions. But all of a sudden, in some patients, we started seeing adverse reaction and if suddenly you see the pressure drop, so anytime these unusual events occur, people question as to whether it has their technique or its own patient's pathophysiologic response. But eventually it was turned out that many of these reactions, over 800, which have been reported to FDA, were linked to the use of heparin. Now, did these patients who died die from refractory anaphylactic shock or wasn't the diagnosis recognized? The diagnosis is not completely released once again from the FDA. All these cases are being analyzed, and as you know, that when death occurs, there are so many different factors which have to be taken into account, and a true cause and effect has to be very carefully determined, even though there is a link between the use of heparin and death or other adverse reaction. The information related to all these is not public yet. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Javed Farid, Professor of Pathology and Pharmacology at Loyola University Chicago Stritch School of Medicine. We are discussing Dr. Farid's investigations into heparin contamination. Dr. Farid, you're quoted in the New York Times stating that there is a definite calculated counterfeiting going on here. How can you be so certain about that? Well, you know, heparin is a natural substance, and it has been very well characterized in terms of its chemical composition. And the components of heparin which make the heparin chains are completely known so we have chemical methods and biological methods to characterize heparin. Now, when we find unnatural substances and the hexose units or the building blocks in heparin, which are not heparin-like and they are of foreign origin, it is very easy to identify those. And in our chemical language, each heparin is built up of disaccharide units where two hexos are fused together. And these hexos units have a certain chemical identity. Heparin has only a certain type of these units. But when you hypersulfate heparin or non-heparin substances such as chondritin sulfate, these are contaminants. Maybe they are just contaminated because it's different source was used, but normally, naturally, the pigs are incapable of synthesizing these unusual carbohydrates, and their presence clearly indicates that they are either accidentally added or they are deliberately put. But now, the amount, as the FDA reports, 
is up to 50%, 5 to 50% contamination. And of the batches tested, 20 out of 28 contain this. So it is not an accidental act since these are present in such a high amount and so many different batches. It is definitely a deliberate act of counterfeiting. Since most of this comes from China and that it comes from the mucosa of swine, is there a swine shortage in China or a reason why this might take place? Well, the supply and demand determines this, and I think that right now there is a tremendous demand for swine heparin, not only for making the heparin, but also the low molecular weight heparin. So because of this shortage, it is sometimes possible to add a heparin-like material to indicate that it is heparin-like material, and this then mixture just appeared to be like heparin, but not 100% heparin, but it can be then sold at a acceptable price. So it's all a supply and demand situation. But to answer your question, why am I so sure? Well, I'm finding something which should not be in existence with heparin at all there. Have you or anyone else called directly the physician's in these companies in China and just spoke scientist to scientist, physician to physician, and see what's going on and share your concerns? First of all, we don't speak Chinese. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Secondly, they have such a chain of command that we cannot talk. The only time I was able to talk to somebody was Jay Hooker, who is the New York Times Shanghai or Beijing Bureau correspondent. And I think he has spoken to some specialists in China and Chinese professors in Chinese universities, and they confirm that this is a deliberate act of counterfeiting where they have taken cartilage, which are much cheaper, one-fiftieth of the price, a cartilage, chondrite and sulfate, and hypersulfated it, and then that is mixed with heparin. Now, trying to be a good scientist and following the scientific method, how can we know specifically that that contamination is causing these adverse reactions we're seeing? This is an extremely important question, and I don't think anybody has answered it, including the FDA. There is no cause and effect, and we have to use the principle of Cox postulate where we have to identify the substance responsible for a disease, inject it, and then produce the same symptoms. That has not been done with this supersulfated chondritin sulfate. And I have said that maybe this supersulfated chondritin sulfate may be a part of the equation, but, you know, heparin is composed of so many different chemical components. There may be some other substances present which are producing these effects. So to answer your question, we don't have a definite link between supersulfated chondritin sulfate and the observed adverse reaction. But clearly this is more than anecdotal. Yes. Well, why do some batches of heparin don't cause these reactions? Well, you know, heparin comes in different batches, and only a very small amount of heparin is produced per hog. I mean, it's a very small amount. So you pool these. And then in China, there are regions, these pigs are fed different food, different feeds. They are coming from different geographic regions. And not all pigs are the same. There are different species. So 
when you produce different batches of these big mixed pool heparins, some of these may have more contaminant than the others. And if the contaminant is deliberately added, then some batches, as I said, there is 5 to 50% of this contaminant reported. So those batches which have higher degrees of contamination are prone to have more adverse reactions than the others. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Javed Farid. We have been discussing Dr. Farid's investigations into heparin contamination. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, now featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at ReachMD.com. And thank you for listening.